0: Sitting down with me here at the booth is the special teams coordinator at Arkansas. He joined us before. He was at Georgia. He's at Arkansas now, Coach Scott Fountain. Scott, it's great to have you here.
1: Really glad to be here. Honored excited to have opportunity to speak here at the clinic.
0: Well, Coach, like I said, the last time we talked, you were a Bulldog. Now you're a Razorback. So how has that transition been?
1: It's a, it's a process. You know, I've gone from being a Bulldog to now being a hog that that part's uh, been different you know and but you know the neat thing is it's it's a process so I'm kind of the first phase of that process I'm over there I'm working we put our our signing class together now we're starting to talk ball and of course probably the most important phase for me is get my family over which I'm looking forward to doing that in uh, in mid-march.
0: Yeah that that's always the, the challenge at this time of the year so many guys making those moves and it is that situation right where you're out there and they got to catch up with you.
1: They do. And I've always thought that the coaching moves were really a lot easier on the coaches because you're getting in the office and you're working kind of the same environment, you know, as football. But the tough part is getting the family over there and they got to go to new schools and you, you know, your wife's got to make friends in town, things like that. But but uh, the t- toughest part for the coaches is just why you're there without them. But yeah. outside of that, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun.
0: So, Coach, you you mentioned you got through recruiting. So now it's the process of you know, taking what you do and fitting it to what the Razorbacks are going to need. So, you know, getting your staff together, getting the guys who are going to coach special teams for you now in this kind of situation, which essentially is, you know, starting from square one, what kind of things are you going to do with your staff to get – Get them ready right now. It's going to be spring ball, so to get ready for spring ball.
1: Yeah, so we we start spring ball in three weeks from now. So you know, first thing I did is went out and hired an analyst, I hired a guy named Mike Kreisel from Army. So he's there with me now. He's full time with special teams. So I'm really excited to work with him. I think he's going to bring a lot, lot to the game for us. But also, the the tough part is you know we we'll have five coaches on our staff that are involved with special teams. That will be in charge of something. So, for an example, like today, I'm talking about pump return. Those five coaches will have a piece of that that they're going to focus on. So, I got to get them together, get them to learn what to do in all six units, and then try to turn them loose once we start practice.
0: So, coach, as you're putting that staff together, and you know, even even at the college level, you don't have like a full staff of all special teams guys. So, you got to figure out. Where are the pieces here? What are the, what are these coaches good at coaching, and how does that fit into what we're going to do on special teams? So, how do you how do you look at and try to figure out how those pieces are going to fit together?
1: Well, you know, I I'll start to I'll go around and try to sit down with each coach, and I say, okay, what have you done in the past? What are you most comfortable with? What would you prefer to do? And you get a wide range of answers. From hey, I've, I've always coached returns. I really enjoy doing it. Or I've always, I've coached returns the last six years, but prior to that I coached the front line guys and I kind of prefer the front line guys if you can make that work. So you just kind of listen to them, try to get the input, and then also you're gonna deal with some young coaches that, that may not have done a lot of teams. So, you know, you, know you really have to kind of put them in a, in a spot that you can kind of coach them a little bit on the run. So that's kind of, kind of where we're at and that's kind of how you evaluate them. And then the key at the end of the day is your head coach Getting all the coaches to buy in and make, making the priority and special teams very important. And that's something that Kirby did when I was at Georgia and those Sam Pittman's doing here at, at Arkansas now.
0: So last spring I was out with Division One staff and you know they were new. They were putting things in. I had come from, you know, an FCS school, but you know, a lot of those guys had not worked together. So we're sitting in a special teams meeting and so they wanted to be able to do certain things. They don't have that film of this is what we've done in the past to, right. to teach kids so how do you build that out I know for them it was you know a little bit of what they did it was some NFL film it was other colleges showing the technique they wanted scheme they wanted etc how do you build that out that library
1: yeah well the, the good thing is I was able to grab my tape when I, when I was at Georgia and, you know Kirby was really good about that and when I was at Auburn, it was kind of the same thing. So that, that's been a blessing. But but still along the way, when you pull your film and bring it with you, there's bits and pieces that you, you miss or you lose or whatnot. So what we try to do is teach off tape at my previous school going into it. But then also we definitely we sprinkle in some NFL tape. Because I think kids, you know, NFL, college, NFL, high school, college, when they see that upper-level film, that's where they want to be. And you kind of see a, a gleam in their eye and a yeah. focus in their eye to want to be able to perfect that technique.
0: Yeah, they they perk up a little bit when they see one of those guys is out there making millions of dollars playing some special teams and like, whoa, I need to look at how this guy is doing it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. And we talk about that a lot. Hey, you know, how special teams can keep you in the NFL for a long time. Now, if you're an elite, if you are the elite receiver or the elite running back on a team, Okay, you may not play teams, but if you're not that guy, and I, and I always encourage them, I say, evaluate yourself. If you're not that guy, then you probably teams are going to really play into your role. Of how long you playing the league?
0: Yeah. So, coach, you you come over to Arkansas, and you know certainly coaches hired you to do a job, but you guys sit down and talk about this is what special teams are going to be for the Razorbacks, and I'm sure there's a there's some nuances from maybe when you did it at Georgia, but you know, what is that? What are you guys gonna establish on special teams?
1: Yeah, you know, we, we really wanna play fast and wanna play hard. And, and even more important than that is that we wanna make it a priority. And I think when, when kids realize you can win games through special teams, that's when they're all gonna buy in. Even your staff are buying more. So, you know, we're gonna make it a, a, a big priority, but we wanna play fast. Well, you know, some people run no huddle on offense. Some people have to prepare for no huddle on defense, but they wanna they wanna have their identity. Well our identity on special teams, we always talk about is as one eleven. The eleven are only as good as the one, so we have to have buy in from all eleven guys. And if we do that, we feel like we can play fast physical football on teams.
0: I guess in, in now in your first spring, the you're playing from behind a little bit because you you don't, you haven't coached these kids before and certainly you guys want to maximize the time you have in the spring now so that you do go into august with something at least to start with this is what we're set with we've worked on some things so the the process of just going through and figuring out you know who are the guys who we're going to start with and who are the backups we're going to develop and then you know you know you have the recruiting class coming in but it's always you know you never know what you're going to get out of a freshman so What's that process like for you right now with the personnel evaluation?
1: Well, the f- first thing I did was we put together a uh, a uh, picture cut up. So basically, we list specialists, and we would go in and we'd put a, a picture of a face, and then the next slide would say who they are and where they're from. So we do it with, with specialists, we do it with running backs, we'd do it with receivers, and it's really helped me a. Learn the players that we're going to be coaching, and I think that's the first thing you got to learn names. You got to learn who people are. You got to learn faces. Well, the next part is so as we go and we study punt and punt return, etc. We're going to go. We went through and we're watching the tape from last year. So we watch. If there were 150 kickoffs on the on the season, we're going to go and watch 150 kickoffs and then try to evaluate personnel that way. And then with the new guys, uh, maybe a grad transfer, maybe it's. Uh, like we took a grad transfer a kicker, for an example. I went back and studied his tape. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to study high school tape if they were not there the year before. I'm going to study the colleges they were at if they were grad transfer. So that gives us a decent feel. And then ultimately, when you get on the field, you, you we try to do uh, some station rotation to identify ability, and then we can start plugging them in the spots.
0: Yeah, and, and you know when you look at it now and think about it, like part of this is establishing that trust because I mean you know it's you know a guy who maybe is is playing on offense or defense and has that focus on things like you need to be able to trust him that he's not going to see or not even think about taking a playoff or easing up a little bit when he's on a special team so there's you know rather than just like hey we're going to look at your skills you're good at this that you're the best one it's establishing that trust about everybody doing your job for you how do you like to do that
1: well you know I take like Miko Harbin for an example a lot of people kind of know that name he plays for the Chiefs now and when I was at Georgia he was a punt returner a kick returner but he also started on punt as a gunner for us now but he also started at receiver so he started receiver and played on three units and that's hard to do But you know what I try to do is if a guy's a starter try to get him on two units and if a guy's not a starter and he's, he's a, and he's a baller, he's a player on teams. I'm going to try to get him on four, four units. But I think ultimately, it's like you said, you have to have players buy in. So when you cut on the tape, they're not taking the playoff. And that's a whole deal with you know talking about 111, can we count on you? And, and we feel like if we can count on a guy, then he's going to be a special player. And then if you can't count on a guy, then you got to demote him and, and, and let him know why. But a, a quick story was, As a kid I recruited a couple years ago, his uncle played for about eight years in the league, and he was a special teams guru. He played linebacker, but he was great at covering kicks, all that, he made the Pro Bowl one year as a special teams player. And so he's with this particular organization, and he's having a really good year at linebacker, and he's starting to play a lot of plays, and he's on all four units. He said, you know, I got a thing, I'm getting really tired. And he said, so I go in and talk to the head coach. And I go, hey, uh, do you think you can cut some teams out where I can, you know, continue to, to improve what I'm doing at a linebacker and, and continue to help our team? <laughs> he said the next day, he come in, he said, you're no longer going to meet with the linebackers. You're going to go with the punter, kicker, and long sniper, and you're just going to focus on special teams. <laughs> he was so good at it, you know. So, you know, it's important to know where you stand with the organization, with any team. And that, that, that was a value they saw in him as a player.
0: So, Coach, before we get into some of the topics you're going to cover here, I guess, you know, you did start at the high school level and, you know, you, you get to go out and recruit and see a lot of high school ball. So, you know, knowing what's going on out there, I guess, you know, the way you do things, what recommendations would you make to, to high school coaches right now so that they're – the, the impact of their special teams can make it, you know, can be bigger than what they're doing.
1: Right, I think uh, number one, it starts with the head coach. You know, I was a head coach for four years in high school and he has to put a priority on that. And I think if he does, then I think it, it will go a long way if he'll say, hey, I'm gonna designate this coach to coach teams and he may coach another position, but I'm gonna designate a guy to be over that. If I was back in high school as a head coach, I would probably say, I'm gonna be over teams and I would assign a guy to run it, but that kind of give me my, my spot with the organization. But I think, you, you, again, it just goes back to prioritizing that, ma- ma- making it important. And um, I, I think that uh, if you can designate a coach to do that, I think you'll see more value in that part of your football team.
0: About from the practice structure, you know, right. I guess the, the luxury that colleges have is, is you got two sides of the ball, you got a lot of coaches, et cetera. Um, there's a lot of high school teams out there who sometimes just because of numbers, sometimes because of talent, but they have a lot of two-way players. How would you approach that? What's the best way, I guess, to, to, yeah. to get what you need out of that while you still have those guys doing a lot of stuff? I,
1: you? I think what, what you do when you look at players you say, hey, I've, I've got to be able to cover a punt. i got to be able to cover a kickoff. And I would try to get my best players on those, those two units, on my coverage units, and then on my return units, I might be a little bit more watered down if I have to be. It's according to you know, how many players I got in my program. But but I, I think in terms of coaches and numbers, you know, what well, I've always tried to do, if, if I have an O-line or a D-line coach, because they play on teams, but typically not as much. I try to always free those guys up if you can. And then from a special team standpoint, according to how many coaches I have, if, I mean, if I just had an O-line, D-line coach, or if that was the same guy, I think you got to look at maybe as a head coach being more involved in special teams and maybe maybe just taking over and run running that part of your program.
0: Mm-hmm. Coach, kind of change gears here a little bit, talk a little bit of a kickoff. And I don't know if you've had a chance. I know you've been very busy, but had a chance at all to, to watch any of what they're doing in the XFL now. think back to last spring, it was the AAF which completely eliminated the kickoff. They just put the ball down. They have a different way of doing it now, I think, you know, my thought—I think I shared this on a podcast—is maybe not a bad developmental thing. As I've seen a lot of high schools now, I think the, the rule in many states is—you know—at the younger level, JV freshman, you can opt out of the kickoff if both, both coaches agree on it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of teams doing that. I love that play. I—I—I I, I think that the play is maybe got a, a black mark on it because of how. It used to be done in the past, and it was essentially we still had the flying wedge in football, oh, yeah. right, which right. was outlawed <laughs> yeah. by Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> but the, the fact is, you know, when you look at it, to me, it, to do things right, you use your players right, I mean, it, it's a beautiful football play, and I would hate to see it become extinct. I mean, while I think there's some innovative things there, and maybe that's a way to do things developmentally at the younger levels, I like that play around. What are your thoughts on maybe the direction things are going with the
1: kickoff? Yeah, well, I mean, I really like the safety piece of it where they've taken out the back end wedge double team. They've taken out the front line double team. You, I mean, you, you're going to see some guys that they don't want two on one making contact directly. Now, one guy can make contact, and then on the front line only in college, the second guy can join the party late. Yeah. Back in. None of it always has to be solo blocks. And I I like that part of the the piece. I think it's like anything else. When you take football as a whole, they've done things to make it a safer sport. You think about the NFL, how you can't hardly touch the quarterback these days. It's the same thing in college now. You're not going to hit the quarterback late, whereas years ago when I was at Florida State, man, we were tattooing him late, you know. (laughs) So I think it's just another part of the game that – that. There's certain certainly people out there that like to see. Let's don't do that play. But that's probably those people that don't really believe in special teams. But I think that the part where they're making it safer, I really like. And I think it's something we'll continue to use. I think also the uh, the fair catch rule has been great in terms of if a team just doesn't want to prepare for it, then just fair catch everything. Yeah. You know. And your answer to that is you got to start squib kicking and trying to cover that where well, they can't fair catch it, but. I think that's an equalizer in the game. Whereas, if a team that want to spend as much time on it, they can just fair catch it and take the ball on 25 and play ball. And that was all. My philosophy has always been, it's kind of the philosophy I've gone to is, if it's over 40 hang time, let's just fair catch the ball and let's let live for the next play. If you have a kicker that can't get full hang time, we're going to take it and turn it out and have a yeah. good opportunity there.
0: That, that was gonna, what I was going to ask you about. Is like, you know, with that, you know, how how you think about. Um, coaching up when you want that fair catch and when we want to be able to to go at it. You know, it just used to be if you were a certain depth in the end zone, right? But but the hang time, I think you're right. That's really important. Yeah,
1: you got to try to get a guy that can get a good feel for that. You know, So we're going to try to place our guy on the goal line or two yards deep according to what kind of leg we're going against and uh, get him to where I can trust him to make good decisions and play ball from there.
0: Coach, have you ever had the the situation – because I had to – I coached kick return when I was at BW, and we were we were good. We were actually the number two team in the nation, all all divisions. And we had some – I had two freshmen back there who both had multiple returns in, in their right. freshman season, and we started off their sophomore season first kick with a return, and then I never saw that ball kick back to those guys again. So I had to get creative with, like, essentially they're taking two guys out, right? Right, right. How do you handle those situations when they don't want to kick it to you, but you still want to you know, maximize getting something rather than saying, you, for me, it was I, I right. just took two more kick returners and put right. them in at the fullback spots, right. but you know, what's your approach to that? No,
1: I, I think what you just said about bringing in some fullbacks, so what we've done at every place I've been, if you get into that world with a team, we we'll do what we call a speed return. So we're gonna take two, two of the back end wedges guys off, and we're gonna bring in two more running backs. In college, and he got a little more luxury while he's running back. So now we got four running backs out there that are, that's a real threat. Also, we try to really simplify it. If we get anything other than what we were expecting going into the game that week, we have a now check where essentially the blocks stay the same up front and the back end wedge will make us right. And we just try to hit it quick and get it downhill. And I think you can completely a team can completely ruin you if you don't have a game plan for it. Mm-hmm. So I have been placing, when I was at Auburn, we had a squib return, we had a pooch return, we had a regular return. I just decided a couple years ago, we are just going to make it one check and just always live on that check and practice that check throughout yeah. the season and it makes it for an easy answer.
0: Yeah, for sure. Coach, that takes us to talk here today, and we, we touched on developing a return before. It's kind of been something you know, you've been known for. You're going to talk about punt return and talk about developing a returner and a little bit about box today but I guess give us some of those key points you're going to share with our our audience today. Yeah,
1: I think when you get to uh, pump return, you got to play fast and you got to find 11 guys who are going to give great effort. You got to give 10, 10 guys up front who are going to give great effort for that one returner. Now with all that being said, I'm going to hit on a lot of things today, but if you you got a great returner, that that solves a lot of your problems. But but up front for us, we're always going to talk about the three phases of punt return. It's it's the start, the battle, and the finish. The start for us is what's gonna occur at the line of scrimmage. We're gonna talk about how we crunch at the line of scrimmage, our stance and how we crunch. The battle is what you're doing in transition from the time the ball is, from the time I've crunched to i have transitioned out and now I'm facing the punt return. That's what we call the battle. And there's two ways that we crunch. There's two ways that we we, uh, battle. And then there's three ways that we finish. So, what's important about finish? Well, when you're in the battle, we always emphasize peaking the returner so we know how to finish. So, what is a finish? There's three things that we can do we got a trail position finish, we have a, 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 a finish where it's parallel going down the field, and then we have one where a guy just gets beat and he's got to go find work. And we, we give names to those. So, we always talk about the start, the battle, and the fence. So, I go to a meeting. You know, I may ask who well, I may call my R5, and I'm going to say, R5, I say, his name's Johnny. Johnny, tell me the three things we do in pump return. And he needs to tell me start, battle, and finish. And then I'm going to go, okay, tell me about the start. What, what are the two types of, of uh, crunches you get in the start? I'm hoping he tells me ear hole and face plant. Right, now, tell me in battle, what's the two tools you can use? I'm hoping he tells me steel rod, tricep, push. And I'm going to say, what do you do now while you're in the battle? I'm hoping he tells me or he needs to tell me, peak the returner. Why don't we peak the returner? He needs to tell me, because I gotta know how to finish. There's three types of finish. From a trail position, we work a rip through. From a parallel position, we work an arm bar. And if we get beat, we're gonna turn around and go find work, which we call MDM, most dangerous man. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we tease, that's what we focus on. And we want our pump returner to be a vertical guy. We want to hit it vertically.
0: What I love about that approach is two things as you were talking through it. Number one, breaking it down that way into those phases as well as here's the certain amount of of techniques and situations you're gonna face in these phases really lends itself to here's how we practice this team, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the backside of it, same thing, really gives definition to here's how we evaluate play in this team. Mm
1: -hmm. That's right, we do. And you you can evaluate, you know, your crunch ability, your battle ability and your finish. And at the end of the day, all that stuff comes together when you find a kid that gives great effort, you know, and that, that's what we look for. And But but in all of our units, we're always talking about little keywords that you can talk about. So in the game, I can say, hey, yeah, you got beat. He says, well, I got beat at the line. Well, I said, that's great, that's okay. You get beat at the line. So there's no battle there. He just outrun you down the field. There's only one finish you can do. What is it? And I hope you will tell me a rip-through technique. There's no need to ever quit on a play. i got to go, go play ball and try to work. And um, But it, in all of our phases, we want to give little keywords that, that are real simple. And, and it's so important that all the coaches are saying the same thing. I can't have one coach over there calling it one thing and I'm calling it another. So it's so important we're, we're on the same page.
0: Yeah, I think what I've really liked in special teams play and, and I've seen develop really at every level, I think back to – to my early days, uh, first learning the game as a high school coach. I remember we, we, had a, we had a young head coach, too. He was figuring it out as well. We just went out and ran reps. Very inefficient way to, to teach special teams because they're long field plays. There's a lot of running. You tire guys out really quick, so you don't do a lot of it. Now you just not effectively teaching. You. But now when, when you start to look at every team as – here's our phases here's our techniques that doesn't need to be a full run That's to right. get things done you probably cut back a lot on on the reps because it's it's simulating those situations that they're going to face again and again just like you would in any other phase of the game right why why do we not do all 11 on 11 part of it's because you know you don't want guys running it you know rolling up each other all those things that can happen but but also it. It takes a lot of time to set up, you know, all 22 and go where I can very quickly in four seconds start really rolling through guys on their technique and here's what you're doing, we're going to get you reps and then we're going to go out and do it a few times.
1: Right, yeah, so it's, I've been places years ago where it's always 11 on the field, we're going to get a zillion reps and you know, after a while kids tire out and they're just, they're not interested, so. We try to do everything in phases, and that there's never, you know, there is a time that you have to put it all together and cover the whole sure. field, but we're going to break it down into parts with everything that we do and and see if we can get them good at that part of, that phase of that return unit or that coverage unit. And I think that's really, what I really have tried to do is two things, take the running out of special teams, cut it down as much as I can, and then two, do drills that can be competitive and put them in competitive situations because everybody wants to compete, if a guy doesn't like to compete, then football may not be his game. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of that's my approach to it,
0: Coach. So the last thing we, we touched on it in our last one, but uh, returners—you've really become known for being able to develop those returners. And what are you going to share with the audience here about developing a part returner?
1: I think the big big thing is you you have to find a guy that that you believe in, and so you have some coaches out there that believe, hey, I, I need. Um, you know, I just use the offensive guys. They handle the ball all the time. They're good with the ball. Let's don't give that defensive guy an opportunity to hurt our football team. But in my, my dealings, some of my better punt returns have been defensive backs. But I think it starts with A, their want to, how bad they really want to do it. And there's a lot of kids that will tell you, hey, Coach, and he's, he might be a great athlete, hey, Coach, I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't like catching that ball in open space. I'll be a kick returner, but not a punt returner. So you got to find that guy that really wants to do it. And then, then you have to convince your head coach he's the best guy. But we're going to do drills all the time. We're putting a, putting them in a situation. We, we may be working on that short phase of punt, punt return, of the line, scrimmage with a quick whistle. But we're going to punt the ball and on the back end, we're going to have scouts or people in his face with bags hitting on the body and all that, and making it a pressure situation all the time. And if you'll do that, I think we get into the game. They're not just catching balls, right, you know. Right. So, but th- there's a lot of a lot of different drills you can work with, but the biggest thing is they got to have a commitment so we're going to do our drills within the body of practice but this is a position that requires after practice work you know about three days a week so they got to be committed to doing that and if a kid's not then i just i'm not going to use him i'll move on move on to the next guy
0: yeah well coach i appreciate you taking time here at our national conference appreciate you being here and, yes, and sharing with coaches and helping guys learn the game and you know, best of, of luck to you as you get going with the razorbacks.
1: Yeah, thank you and look really looking forward to speaking here today.